Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. When adversity arises, the best of America answers the call with teamwork, sacrifice, and an unshakable commitment to keeping each other safe. In honor of Veterans Day, Jim Cramer gives thanks to those for whom the greater good is their life's work. Mad Money, salute to service, starts now. Hey, I'm Cramer. Welcome to a special salute to service Veterans Day edition of Mad Money. Other people want to make friends, I just am trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Cramer. The old normal, it's dying. The new normal struggles to be born. Now is the time for something, a word we hardly ever use in Wall Street. Now is the time for nuance. After a day where the Dow gained 263 points, S&P declined 0.14%, and the Nasdaq lost 1.37%, I think we've gotten to the point where terms like growth and value, which people throw around all day, no longer help. COVID's exploding, but a vaccine's on the way, along with the new president. You can't just dump the pandemic plays and swap into reopening stocks. You need to be more prudent and more rigorous than that. Unfortunately, the conventional wisdom says everything's binary. You buy the cyclicals, so you sell the softwares. You dump the semis, you buy the rails. You in the consumer packaged good stocks, you sell the steels. I mean, there are some powerful, simplistic concepts here. Now, there are some long-term themes that you and I can talk about that will keep working, although right now they're being obscured by some serious cross-currents that we have to go over. So why don't we start with the vaccine trade, because it's on everybody's mind. Yesterday's news from Pfizer, a vaccine that's more than 90% effective, was a game changer. Then after the close, Eli Lilly got emergency approval for its COVID treatment and antibody therapy. Put it all together, and yes, we can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel. So what's that mean for the stock market? Well, if we get good news from other vaccine developers like Moderna, or AstraZeneca, or GlaxoSmithKline, or Johnson Johnson, which I think we will, I think we're going to have another leg higher each time. That's right. Every time we get good news about another COVID vaccine or therapeutic, you can expect the cloud stocks, the internet stocks, and the fang stocks to stumble. 
while all these other stocks like the banks and the cyclicals do well. However, there's a cross current. We may have light at the end of the tunnel, but right now we're still in the tunnel. And every time we get another record-breaking number of infections, that's going to bring the buyers back to some of the tattered, now tattered, COVID-100. Think Amazon, which is getting hit, but I think will eventually be a buy. Alphabet, which is a buy right now. Etsy, Shopify, Facebook, and all the delivery companies. In other words, I'm betting stocks right now will go back and forth like a ping pong. That's not value or growth. It's man against virus. It's the wisdom of crowds making knee-jerk investment decisions every time we get a new data point. Second big theme that will last, okay, it will last, is housing. This group's been bolstered by the pandemic, with people fleeing cities for the suburbs, as well as low interest rates, which make it so it's affordable. With rates rising again ever so slightly, people are suddenly afraid. But then this morning, D.R. Horton reported a blowout quarter. 66% earnings growth, 81% net sales orders. Uh, Just a monster top and bottom line beat. CEO David Auld said it's the best housing market in 32 years, and he thinks it's sustainable. Wow. The conference call was dazzling. How do you argue with those numbers? Here's how I see it. Just because a vaccine is on the way, that doesn't mean we'll see the end of this exodus from the cities and into D.R. Horton homes. The theme's still alive. The fact is, COVID's out of control, and we still don't have a plan to get the vaccine where it needs to go. Don't get me wrong. The vaccine looks like the real deal, but it will take months and months to produce and distribute. I don't get the sense that there's even a plan for it when we're finally able to get it. Even when the vaccine arrives, I wouldn't be surprised if the exodus continues. It could take years for cities to recover from the pandemic. And now that we know millions of jobs can be done remotely, there's less reason to live near the office. Plus, the Biden administration will be less hostile to immigration, which means more demand for housing. Nice tailwind, something that no one is talking about. Still, you have to be ready for the home builders to get hammered every time we get some more good vaccine news that causes people to believe economic activity will pick up, causing interest rates to increase and the end of the exit to the suburbs. Those are not going to change the direction of the moving vans, though. So I don't want you to get confused when you see stocks churn. Third theme, cars. The auto industry was already on fire. Part of the exodus to the suburbs and the country uh, where you need a car to get around and you can't carpool anymore either. But if the economy's reopening, that gives you even more reason to drive. Ford and GM stock have been both moving up relentlessly. I think they both have a lot more room to run. Maybe, well, you know what? There's a good chance the Biden administration hands out subsidies for electric cars, assuming they can round up the votes in Congress. Meanwhile, the dealerships like Carvana and we introduced you to Lithium Motors not that long ago, they're going to keep powering higher. You're not going back on mass transit when the contagion rate is this high. Hospitals all over the country are about to be overwhelmed. Again, it'll be months and months before enough people have the vaccine for the world to go back to normal. Those months belong to the autos. Fourth theme is the bizarre bifurcation in retail. This morning, Simon Property Group, the largest owner of malls in the country, revealed that plenty of their tenants have simply stopped paying. Even with a vaccine around the corner, I'm betting most of the small and medium-sized restaurants could fail while we wait. As for retail, many of these chains are running short of cash. This group will be a tug of war. Macy's, Nordstrom, Kohl's, they'll rally on positive vaccine news. I mean, rally huge, 20 percent. And then they'll get sold off again when cases keep spiking while we wait for the next data point. Speaking of the results for Simon Property Group, all these brick-and-mortar bankruptcies mean there's another big spike in unemployment on the way. CEO David Simon is a very smart guy, and he made his comments pretty clear about tenants being totally cash-strapped. Listen to this, quote, 
We'll, while we have made significant progress in addressing collections, we still have some unresolved amounts with certain larger national tenants who unfortunately are refusing to pay their contractual rent, even though they are open and operating, end quote. My translation, these chains may have employees now, but those people will lose their jobs when the stores get evicted. Can't stay in business if you can't pay rent. That's bad news for the banks, which exploded higher yesterday as the vaccine news caused a surge in interest rates, which is considered to be good for the banks. I see that move being repealed by the coming wave of defaults. Now, one more contradiction to give you. We have a ton of American tech companies, and for the most part, their stocks were running going to the weekend because we had no idea when the virus would be contained. Those stocks got obliterated yesterday and again today, but they're still up dramatically since the pandemic got started. And you know what? That makes sense. I expect more downside, but not a ton of downside. So get ready. Why should there not be a lot of downside? Because COVID didn't give these tech companies a temporary boost. It hastened a long-term trend. Their gradual integration into our work and our lives, they're no longer tech companies. They are companies that do things, period. In every one of our, in every single stock we trade, there's tech, there's digitization. Perhaps more importantly, many of these tech names should benefit from the Biden administration. Remember, President Trump has been very aggressive on trade. That's alienated nearly every other country on earth, including China, Mexico, most of Europe. When Biden comes in, that's going to change. A softer line on on trade, maybe even a more diplomatic approach in general than tweeting. That means our international companies should have more opportunities overseas. Good news, Boeing, Honeywell. Otis, 3M. It's good for the railroads, which take goods back and forth from our parts, our ports. Finally, under Trump, and maybe this is the most important thing that's happening right now. Under Trump, American companies have been scared to death of leaving America and opening new factories overseas. They trembled at the Trump tweets. They were scared of our president. Love it or hate it, that will soon be over. They'll be able to expand again, build again, do whatever what they have, especially, by the way, a company that really needs our allies, Boeing. And that is terrific for their shareholders, particularly Boeing. The bottom line, don't fall prey to these false dichotomies. There's too much money to be made by recognizing all the cross currents here as these different groups ebb and flow with the news cycle. It's not value versus growth. It's every man, woman and company for itself. All right, this year's a little different. This COVID's got everybody a little different, doesn't it? So for this edition of Mad Money Salute to Service, we have some video questions from around the country of those who have served or are currently serving in the U.S. military. First up, we have a question from Emmanuel at the United States Military Academy at West Point. Booyah, Jim. My name is Emmanuel Hoa. I'm a first-class cadet from Newark, New Jersey and I'm currently studying French and counterterrorism. I'm also on the boxing team. Go Army Boxing! At West Point, I'm part of the healthcare sector with the West Point Investment Club, and we're currently researching the evaluation of Moderna Therapeutics. My question for you is what do you think of the future growth prospects of Moderna? Thank you. All right, so what we've learned about Moderna is that the RNA thinking that they've been using is the same that Pfizer's doing. So it would not surprise me one bit if we did not hear great news about Moderna. Can it be as good as Pfizer? Absolutely. Did I like those guys as much? I didn't like that insider selling. But I think Moderna's fine, and it will join the family of successful pharmaceuticals if they have a vaccine that goes north of 90% of effectiveness. Next up, we have a question coming from Cameron at the United States Air Force Academy. 
Hi, Mr. Kramer. My name's Cameron, and I'm a cadet at the United States Air Force Academy. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina, and I have a question about endopharmaceuticals. With the majority of their opioid crisis behind them and most of their lawsuits settled, they're transitioning away from opioids and into injectables. They have a new drug coil coming out in the first quarter of next year. What do you think about them for a speculative play? Well, you know, you're asking, well, Cameron's got a speculative play, all right. And I do hope all the lawsuits are behind them, and I do think that, uh, frankly, I'm going to tell you, I think you, do be- you can do better than that, Cameron. There are so many fabulous companies that I don't think you have to do a speculative play that's a low dollar amount. There are plenty of great ones, and uh, we talk about them all the time. But, it, you know, frankly, I'm going to tell you, I'd rather have you in Bristol-Myers. I really would. Get a little yield. Put away that yield. Let it just be reinvested and reinvested. And by the time you're out of service, you have a lot of money. All right. Our next question comes from Benjamin at the U.S. Coast Guard Station in New Haven. Benjamin. Hey, Jim. I've been watching your show for a long time. I've been investing for about 10 to 15 years now. And I recently made a big purchase in DocuSign. And I'm wondering what your opinion is on that. I saw a tweet from you earlier in the pandemic saying that you weren't too sure if there are no deals going on. You probably don't think DocuSign is going to do very well. But in the future, I'm wondering what your perspective is. Okay, my problem with DocuSign is it's run about 100, what, 150 points since the, uh, since the pandemic uh, really started roaring. And there are, there's a belief that obviously that therefore there will be deals with the vaccine that are back to face to face. But I agree with you. It's never going to go back to the way it was. So I would think if you had any extra capital, let it go down for the next couple of days and buy more. Because DocuSign is the way that we are going to do business for the rest of our lives. Thank you all for some great questions and more importantly for your service. Uh, now, remember, now is not it is the time for nuance. Stop the meat axe value growth. If I, I'm going to rip somebody's lungs out, they keep coming on our air and saying that. And by the way, I know where you work. I know where you are because, like, I work here. Anyway, don't fall prey to false dichotomies. There's too much money to be made in the cross currents for you to just think growth value, growth value. On a special Veterans Day edition of Bad Money, America's armed forces keep us safe and are the guarantors of the freedom that we so often take for granted. Tonight, I'm highlighting companies that are doing their part to honor those who protect and serve. And then, Beyond Meat is teaming up with Pizza Hut. But the news did little to stop the post-earning slide in the company's stock today or its somewhat opaque relationship with McDonald's. I'm sitting down with the CEO to find out what's really going on. Plus, I'm going to sit down with a former Army captain who currently runs one of the most recognizable companies on the planet and is doing a great job. Don't miss my exclusive interview with the CEO of Campbell's as we salute our brave servicemen and women on this special edition of Mad Money. Stick with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. This limited commercial edition of Mad Money is made possible by Boeing. On this Veterans Day, we thank all who have served our country. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. 
NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having us on the show. It's a great honor. I need to go from hoorah to booyah. I love that. Every year on Veterans Day, we put on a special salute to service show, our favorite of the year, frankly. Tonight, we continue that tradition. Even if the pandemic means we can't do it quite the same way like last year at the Air Force Academy or when we went up to West Point, these are memorable days for us. Over the last 19 years, nearly 3 million service members have deployed to Iraq or Afghanistan. We've got millions of veterans, some of the best trained people in the world, yet they often struggle to find jobs when they come home. That's wrong. And that's why tonight we're celebrating the companies that go out of their way to hire vets. We're going to recognize them so that people understand this is who we admire. Not just because it's the right thing to do, but you know what? Because it's good business, because this is still mad money, all right? Uncle Sam has spent fortunes training these people to be smart, disciplined, team players, kind of employees every company should and need. What? Like, how can you not hire these people? Why don't you look at Starbucks, for instance, which is a stock that just, by the way, has just been soaring. You know, a year ago, we did the live show from the U.S. Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, where we spoke to Kevin Johnson, who's kind enough to come in from Seattle. He's the CEO of Starbucks. About everything his company was doing here. Since 2013, they've hired 30,000 veterans and military spouses with a commitment to bring in another 5,000 more every year. They've also got dozens of military family stores located near major bases and staffed with vets and spouses. That's not the only reason why Starbucks has been a good performer, though. Stock rocketed higher yesterday on the Pfizer, Pfizer vaccine use. But I think it speaks to the quality of management's leadership. Now, because Starbucks has been leading the way on this issue, you know what? I said, I'm just going to shoot an email off to Kevin Johnson, say, hey, who else besides Starbucks has the ethos? J.P. Morgan, Target, and Home Depot. In particular, J.P. Morgan, Gigantic Bank, and Target are part of a larger organization. Write this down. Maybe you want to help them. I know I'm going to. It's called the Veterans Job Mission. In 2011, J.P. Morgan, along with 10 other major companies, committed to collectively hiring 100,000 veterans and service members, leaving active duty by the end of this year. Originally, they called it the 100,000 Jobs Mission. However, they blew through that first target ages ago. This organization now has more than 200 member companies, including Target, and they're planning to hire a million veterans. So far, they're at 686,000. And it's not just hiring. It's also about retention and and, uh, portion. Unfortunately, the pandemic's thrown a wrench into the million-man plan, like everything else, right? 
but they're well on their way. J.P. Morgan alone has hired more than 16,000 veterans and service members since this got going in 2011, and they've invested millions of dollars in veteran-owned businesses. As for Target, I can't find an up-to-date number right now. they got a lot going on. But I take their cue, uh, I think it's the cue from Starbucks, when it comes to supporting their reservist employees who get called up for active duty, for example, by extending their benefits. Both these companies are amazing. Jamie Dimon has been again and again the CEO of J.P. Morgan, the leader in this, and we got to salute him for that. I've had my go-arounds with him, but we suspend everything today on Veterans Day and salute those who are doing their part. How about Home Depot? Here's a company that has nearly 400,000 associates, more than 35,000 them veterans. They're one of the most military-friendly employers in the country. They've donated hundreds of millions of dollars to veterans' causes. I've had the privilege of being introduced to their culture by Mr. Frank Blake, who's allowed me to be able to contribute to some of the things they do for uh, soldiers who are handicapped, who get out of, uh, out of being war when they're done war fighting. Target and Home Despot, as I like to call it, got me thinking about the two largest retailers in America, Walmart and Amazon. Turns out they're both leading the way, too. In 2013, Walmart set out to hire 250,000 veterans. Oh, they blew through that one earlier this year. They're talking 265,000 of July 1st, another thing that Walmart does right. Staggering number. More than 44,000 of those hires have already been promoted. How about that? In the last two years, they've also brought in 31,000 military spouses. Walmart gets it. As for Amazon. People complain? Well, listen up. Four and a half years ago, they pledged to bring in 25,000 veterans and military spouses by May of 2021. Have they done it? Well, how about this? So far, they've hired 40,000, and they've got another six months. This is another good place to work if you're a reservist or a National Guards person. Now, who else is doing good work? How about J&J? whose CEO, of course, Alex Gorsuch, is a retired Army captain. He's done a real standout job. They joined the Veterans Job Mission in 2012, and they're such a great employer for active National Guards people and reservists. Even got an award for the Defense Department in 2017. How about CSX Big Railroad? Has hired so many veterans that one and five of their employees has now served in the military. they got a dedicated pipeline for job applicants coming from the Air Force. Maybe some of your CEOs out there should call CSX to see how that happens. How do we have a dedicated pipeline? That's what I'd be doing if I watched the show. Verizon, oh boy, led a few years ago by one of the great veterans. There's more than 10,000 veterans on its payroll. Out, that's uh, Ivan Seidberg. And they've been number one in the military-friendly rankings for three years in a row. I've got more. Another one comes up. AECOM. It's one of the world's largest infrastructure consulting companies. 56,000 employees. 9,000 are vets. I also got to give a shout out to Deloitte, the privately held accounting firm. They've got a ton of accolades. If you want to know more about this stuff, there are lots of resources online. Military.com has a top 20 list that shows you which companies employ the most veterans in absolute terms. You've got a host of defense contractors. It makes sense. Look at SAIC, Booz Allen, Northrop Grumman, L3 Harris. On last night, BAE Systems, Lockheed. I hope James Tacklett comes on soon. Jim, you got to. CSC, uh, CACI International, Boeing, a company that I've mentioned several times in the last two weeks. This is a stock you have to buy. Raytheon, we had Greg Hayes on just not that long ago. General Dynamics, will you please come on? I think you're doing, you're doing a turn right here. The ones that stand out, Exelon Utility, Stryker, Medical Device Play, and then, of course, General Electric. Forbes publishes a list of the best employer for uh, veterans, a more subjective question, admittedly, for which they use an extensive survey of vets to determine the rankings. In terms of publicly traded companies, well, you got Procter & Gamble, number three. Booz Allen, O'Reilly Auto Parts. How about that? VMware, one of our cloud kings, Sanjay Poonin, that about you. Congratulations. And then XL, a utility lower down. The Military Times runs their own list. 2020 rankings came out in August. First on the list, Comcast, NBC Universal. 
parent company is Network. Hey, I guess management agrees with me. Rest of the top five, Southern Company, U.S. Bank, General Motors, and Fiserv. There's Bank of America, Boeing again, Con Ed, and Accenture. Good list. And I know you could say, Jim, why are you boring me with this list? This is not boring. This is what we must do as Americans. Here's the bottom line. Every year when we do this vet show, I am stuck by just how successful these companies are who hire a lot of vets. Time after time, the businesses that hire tons of veterans tend to be really well run with good long-term prospects. Starbucks, J.P. Morgan, Walmart, Amazon, Home Depot, J&J, Verizon, Procter & Gable, dare I say Comcast. I'm recommending them all. Comcast, parent company, this now. One last point. Over the last 10 years, we've seen gigantic companies make huge commitments to hire more service members and their spouses. But many of these goals have been reached. Seems to be good for business. Given the lousy job market, maybe it's time for these CEOs to roll up some ambition, roll up those sleeves, get some ambitious plans going again. We need ambition. These people don't just deserve to be hired. We as shareholders want and need them to be hired by you. Let's take a few more questions. First, we have a question from Kevin in Hawaii. Hey, Kramer, I'm Kevin. I'm a Marine currently stationed out in Hawaii. Uh, And my question to you about investing is sometimes service members get a a base sum of money for re-enlisting. It could sometimes be upwards of $50,000. So for somebody with such a little knowledge of investing, what would you recommend doing with this lump sum of money. You've got to be That's all I got cost. for you. Uh, thank you so much. I've been watching your show with my dad since I was a kid. And happy birthday to the Marine Corps and my brother Mitch on November 10th. Thanks yeah. again. Happy birthday to the Marine Corps. It's great you watch your father. And you've got to be, look, you are in the midst of a situation where you do not have time to analyze the stock market. That's why you should be in an index fund. I prefer the S&P 500 index fund right now. Uh, Also, I'm liking the Russell 2000. I'm liking that because smaller cap companies are making comebacks in this country. That's what I would do. Our next question comes from Kit from, again, the U.S. Air Force Academy. Kit. Hey, Jim. Kit Regeer here from the beautiful Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. So I was looking at Uber this morning. Their quarterly revenues were down 17% from last year, with rides down 50%. But Uber Eats revenues were up 135%. And with a Proposition 22 win in California, what do you think about this play? Uh, They just won a very big uh, victory at at the ballot box, which would make it so that they're not going to have to be compensated as much as as people feared. Uh, Uber did just consolidate. They just announced uh, just today uh, they got the deal with uh, Postmates, which is really good. You're absolutely right. It's the food service business that is excellent. They've got to get out of the routes that don't make any money, and they've got to get driverless cars. And therefore, I think you should hold on to it, but I'm not encouraging more to be bought right here because that's a lot of things that have to go right. Next up is a question from Ananth from the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Ananth. Hey, Jim. It's Cadet Ananth from Chelsea, Michigan. I'm the cadet in charge of the investment club, as well as the overseer of the portfolio for the finance team. I had a couple questions about Pinterest. As Pinterest IPO'd last year and in the last couple of months had some extreme growth, do you think we should buy it or should be cautious about that growth? And do you think it's sustainable for Pinterest to continue in this upward trend? All right. Thank you so much, Jim, for your time. Absolutely. CFO uh, from Pinterest, uh, proudly served in the armed forces. I do think that Pinterest has uh, doubled in the last, uh, let's say, six weeks, and that's too big a move. Uh, so I think you have to wait, uh, let it come in. But when, but when it comes in, buy it. Why? Because Pinterest turns out to be a gentle, kind place to advertise. And the advertisers absolutely love it. 
but let's buy it in the 40s, okay? All right, much looks different these days, but one thing remains, companies committed to hiring veterans tend to be winners, and we want to talk about you on our show for doing the right thing for your people, your shareholders, and your vets, much more bad money ahead, including my exclusive with the CEO of Beyond Me. Now, this one's about earnings. After today's decline, is it beyond hope? Ooh, or could the drop be a buying opportunity? Ah, then I'm on duty to help find the key to investing for the long haul. Don't miss my sit-down with Campbell CEO and former Army Captain Mark Klaus. Find out if this, this stay-at-home theme can continue to deliver with a vaccine. And with the COVID vaccine on the horizon, what impact could it have on the bang plays? I'm going to give you my take as our special salute to the troops edition of Mad Money continues. Stay with Kramer. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what the heck is happening to the stock of Beyond Meat? The plant-based burger stock has always been a wild trader. But the last couple of days have been absolutely insane, including a hideous 17% decline today in the wake of a disappointing quarter. Now, before we get uh, to earnings, we have to talk about yesterday after McDonald's announced the McPlant burger. At first, it sounded like that maybe Beyond Meat's been moved out, that maybe they're now a competitor. Then management seemed to imply from McDonald's that they were one of the potential suppliers the stock was able to rebound. However, just when we got a handle on the McDonald's situation, Beyond Meat reported some ugly numbers. We're talking about a 30% revenue miss, with the company losing $0.28 cents per share, and us expected a $0.06 cent profit. Management blamed temporary disruptions due to COVID-19, perfectly reasonable, but the miss was pretty breathtaking, hence why the stock rolled over. And we didn't get any clarity on the McDonald's relationship. And look, this has been a tough few, tough few weeks for the company, for everybody. A month ago, Beyond Meat was at 195 bucks. Now it's 125 After that decline, though, it's basically trading where it was in August. It's still up more than 65% for the year. So could this pullback be a buying opportunity because there are a lot of other deals that are coming? Or is it getting too tough to own? Let's check in with Ethan Brown, the founder, president, and CEO of Beyond Meat. Get a better sense of the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Brown, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you so much, Jim. It's great to be with you again. I appreciate that. Okay, so Ethan, we have in front of us some uh, uh, new uh, pizzas, a Pizza Hut Beyond. Yeah, it says Beyond right on it. Uh, new deal yeah. that you just announced today. Meaningful for you? Oh, it's fantastic. Listen, we've been working for a long time with Yum, and, and the leadership there has been fantastic. It's David Gibbs or Kevin and, and uh, folks throughout the organization. Uh, just believing what we're trying to do, helping us to get to a really superior product that I think will wow consumers across the country and over in the UK. So we're we're really excited about this launch. Pizza Hut's obviously an iconic brand. It's been part of the American fabric for a long time, part of my childhood. 
I love the fact that I can now uh, get beyond and, and we're going to really be aggressive about promoting this and, and uh, going to uh, going to battle uh, with pizza in the pizza market to make sure that we come out on top. Now, uh, you are um, you were very tough on yourself and Mark Nelson was very tough on himself. He's your excellent CFO. And I'm just going to quote mm-hmm. him says, as Ethan described a moment ago, we experienced a meaningful deceleration in our financial performance during the third quarter, causing our results to fall short of our expectations. A lot of us believe that you're just a secular grower and it would be inconceivable that you would have a decline, even if you had, as you say, the full brunt of, of COVID-19. So can you somehow, uh, uh, you know, maybe reassure us that it's just the unpredictability of COVID-19 and not some actual sure. deceleration of the uh, enthusiasm that consumers have for, for beyond? It absolutely is a hundred percent related to COVID, and and you know, this reminds me a lot of the Benjamin Graham quote about uh, you know the market in the short term being a voting machine and the long term being a weighing machine. We are building a brand that is of global significance and of global weight, and we're doing that quarter after quarter. What happened with COVID is we had a very large uh, run up in uh, purchasing in retail in the second quarter, and there's a long tail of that throughout the third as freezers were stocked and, and full. But even with that, we had a record second quarter with uh, 113 uh, million in revenue driven by strength in retail. Uh, and we went to about a $94 million quarter in, in Q3. So when you talk about a miss, you have to say a miss against what? And for me, the expectation that we were going to somehow single-handedly turn back on the food service sector was uh, short-sighted. We have to wait for the food service sector to come back in earnest for us to really see the type of growth uh, that we're expecting. And that's happening today uh, with Pizza Hut. You'll see more from us uh, over the coming months. And so I'm very optimistic about the future. What is characterizing this year more than anything else is the volatility in consumer behavior, both in retail and in food service. So we're seeing some pretty encouraging numbers uh, in recent uh, months uh, that, that would be more reminiscent of what you might see in the middle of the summer. But I want to caution against forming expectations for the fourth quarter based on that. Because, again, unpredictability is really uh, uh, the name of the game uh, in 2020 as COVID continues to loom throughout the economy. But here's the thing. If you peel back the numbers and you look at what we're actually doing in retail, we were up, a hunt, we were up uh, 63% this year uh, in, our, in our retail. Uh, we're looking at household penetration. It continues to increase. It's at 5.2% right now. One of the things that I'm most proud of is our repeat rate. Our repeat rate is now almost at 52%. I think it's 519 that is really, really strong. Most CPG companies would be happy with a 30, 35, 40% uh, repeat rate. So our repeat rates continue to, to increase. And you look at purchase frequency and the buyer rate, both of those numbers also continue to increase. What does a buyer rate mean? It means that more households now, when you think about our household penetration, are also now buying more beyond meat, right? So even in a COVID economy, we're seeing all these really, really strong drivers. So I, I think People maybe overreacted to some old numbers that analysts had up instead of thinking about, OK, how but, is this company doing in the midst of but you did the de- COVID economy? There was deceleration. And, you know, it's not really fair. Uh, you know, look, the analysts wanted very much to you to beat the numbers. It's not like they were. But they sure. weren't setting a trap for you by any means. I oh, mean, not at all. No, not at all. No, no. It's just it's just what the challenge is with withdrawing guidance. And, and yet food service rate. significantly lower levels of demand relative to a year ago, although, again, improved. But I think that yep. what really got the story, I think, uh, convoluted because everything you told me, I think, sounds great. 
was this somehow everyone it, it wants to be excited about a McDonald's deal that is not a deal. Right? right. I mean, I mean, if I just came to you and say, listen, I think you are in the running along with Tyson and along with Nestle's and you hope it works out. I think that would be a more um, advised posture to take than one that seems to believe that they are about to put your stuff in their stores, but you also have to have Beyond Meat on the nameplate. Right. Um, so I think the response I gave you, I said, I want to be very respectful of what McDonald's is trying to do. I believe in the McPlant platform. I believe in what Chris is trying to do there. Uh, and the only reason we issued some clarification yesterday was because of the misunderstanding, I think, that people had around uh, the fact that they maybe developed their own burger, right, which is not the case. Um, as I've said before, and we're just going to have to be patient on this, I believe that our relationship with McDonald's is very strong. We're involved with McDonald's on a number of different fronts. We're doing things now to prepare for things in the future that, that involve McDonald's. Um, I just can't go out and speak for the company about which supplier they've chosen or, or who they're going to be working with. Right. I mean, um, they, said, they choose Nestle's. Nestle's is a very powerful company that can do a lot of things globally. They may choose Tyson, which is a company that desperately needs some good news. They might choose you. They might choose all of you. What I want people to do is own the stock regardless of McDonald's. Don't get McDonald's in the mix because that may not go your way. Right. I think everything I'm seeing, um, you know, all the investment we're making here, the scaling we're doing here would suggest that the relationship there is really strong. And that's really all I can say. Um, you know, if you look at how we're building our portfolio of quick serve restaurants, you've seen the work we've done with Subway. You've seen the work that we've done uh, with KFC, uh, now with, with Pizza Hut uh, over in China with Taco Bell. So we continue to build this very you know, CKE and Del Taco et cetera. We continue to build this very strong portfolio of quick serve restaurant partners. But the key for us is to not get ahead of those partners. Let's let them make the announcements. Let them, them position the products the way they want to. And that's what we're trying to do, even though it was difficult yesterday, given the movement in the stock based on some misunderstanding. Right. But at the same time, I mean, I think when I read this, you talk directly about the idea that it's in everybody's interest to uh, to use you. Um, but at the same time, they, and it, maybe they didn't want to talk about it because it was their day. I get that. But I just think that the idea of uh, that something is going to happen here is going to hang over this stock forever and that you've got to get away from that. I mean, you can't right. you know, you said now we can't spe uh, specify or speak for McDonald's to how we interplay with McPlant Burger. But we clearly think that it would that it was with the in their everybody's best interest to use our brand and I resist efforts to not use it. They don't want to use your brand. They don't. So I was speaking. Yeah. So I was speaking in general about um, the, the QSR space and the okay. experiences we've had with other QSRs. Not, you know, again, like, you know, what, what McDonald's Chris is and, and no McDonald's, other QSR, though. They, they'd be the king, correct. right? I mean, what's well, Burger yeah. King, but they're not really the king. They're yeah. like the yeah. point. Yes, I know your point, yeah. Uh, they should do what's the best interest of their brand, and our job as a supplier is to be of service to that. And that's that's really what my position is, and, and it's been a real privilege to work with them. It's been a privilege to work with Yum. All these brands, you know, it, these are brands that I grew up consuming, right. uh, you know, part of our, our country and our fabric. I want to be of service to them, and I want to let them roll out in, in the way that Perfect. Let's uh, leave it at that, because the, the strength of the story is the secular growth of situations involving non-cow beef that trades, tastes every bit as good and is getting better and better for you. And I don't want the story convoluted. Excuse me, I'm not, I don't work at your company. Why, whether McDonald's, yes or no McDonald's. I mean, the point is, is right. that there's, there's a wave. You're on it. 
Yep. And it can be inconsistent at times, but you're on it. Fair? Yep. No, yeah, no that's exactly right. And, and I, I, again, I want to caution people against drawing conclusions over a single quarter. I mean, we are all about the long term. Okay. And there are certain things we're not able to control. And so I think keep watching what we're doing in terms of building our business. Just one other comment on that. We're opening facilities in China right, right. now. We're opening them in the EU, and we just purchased a new facility on the East Coast. I would have to be uh, thinking very differently uh, about that if our growth was somehow slowing. Fair I enough. I can tell you that I feel Fair very enough. comfortable that we're All right. Thank you very much, Ethan Brown, founder, sure. president, and CEO of you. Beyond Meat. Mad Money's back after the break. Jim Cramer and Mad Money. I'm Connor Murphy, a sophomore at West Point and a proud member of the West Point Investment Club. My dad graduated from this school 25 years ago, and I'm proud to be carrying on my family's legacy. Booyah! Hey, Mr. Kramer, I'm Jim Miller from West Bend, Wisconsin, a fourth class cadet here at West Point. Hey, Jim, cadet Austin Morales here from El Paso, Texas. I'm currently a first class cadet at West Point studying computer science. I want to say thank you for your continued support of the armed forces. Look, this is the most important thing that we do when we have money. We celebrate veterans, okay? I remember when my late father was alive, and he came. He said, "This is the show that I want to go to. This is what you do best." Earlier tonight, we highlighted many of the companies that are doing the best job of hiring our nation's veterans as part of our annual Salute to Service show. Now, I want to take a step further and speak with one of the handful of veterans in the C-suite. I'm talking about Mark Klaus. He's the president and CEO of Campbell Soup, who's also a former Army helicopter pilot. He retired as a captain. Almost as important, he played point guard on West Point's basketball team for two years. Now he runs an iconic American packaged food company. Klaus took over at the beginning of last year, and since then he's pulled off a magnificent turnaround. But because it's Veterans Day, we want to talk to him about how his time in the Army helps him run a $14 billion business and why veterans make such great team members in corporate America. Mr. Klaus, welcome back to Mad Money, and happy Veterans Day. Thank you, Jim. It's an honor to be here. All right, Mark. Thank you for that. Thank you. All right, so, Mark. I don't think people know what happened here. I don't think they know that you came in after I regard, this is my own view, one of the most disastrous overpay acquisitions you could do, which is for Snyder Lance, of which we don't think of now because you turned it around, that you had to take a move, you had to take a move that is so painful. You took a company that, you, that, this, that was bought in 2012, Bolt House, for 1.5, and you had to go sell it for five, $500 million. These are moves that you had to do dispassionately and accept the fact that there were casualties on the field. How much did your Army training help you in making those difficult decisions? <clears throat> well, I think, you know, one of the, one of the great uh, privileges of my life, probably after being a parent, uh, was the opportunity to lead men and women in the armed forces. And, you know, I, I've often said that there's not a lot of uh, organizations out there that are 23 years old um, turn you loose as a leader of 20 or 30 men or women in the uh, pursuit of a rather complex mission. And I, I think it does teach you some very valuable lessons uh, that are quite applicable in the world of business. Um, one of those lessons is really about focus. You know, when, when you're setting out to lead an organization in the military, that direction needs to be crystal clear. It needs to be simple, even in the complex, make it simple Make sure everybody in the organization or on the team understands what you're trying to accomplish and then lead in a consistent way where everybody's rowing in the same direction. And I think that is the story of Campbell's. Uh, it was an opportunity for us to 
to redirect a little bit, to you know, address a few of the issues that we had on the business, realign the company on a relatively simple um, but very powerful focused message uh, to move the organization forward. So I have a lot of gratitude for my time in the military, uh, which really did serve as a tremendous education. Did it make it you more comfortable making the tough decisions that you've seen other CEOs not be willing to make? Well, I think if you're clear on the direction and the destination, right? So what are you mm-hmm. trying to accomplish? Where are you trying, to, are you trying to get right. to? Then the decisions that you're making should be in support of that. And so although they're never easy choices to make, and uh, you know, certainly anytime we're making decisions that impact businesses or people, uh, we're going to be very, very conscious of it. But if you're clear on where you're going and what we're trying to accomplish, I think those decisions make good, compelling, strategic sense for both the teams within the company and hopefully for investors as well. As a helicopter pilot, you obviously have to maneuver and make moves that are, uh, let's just say, difficult to be able to turn up, but also, uh, you know, at times even radical. Uh, you made a radical move to be able to move a lot of your advertising to streaming. I've seen what you've done with pretzels, for instance. This is iconoclastic. No consumer packaged good company has done what you've done. How are the results? Because it was a pioneering thing to do. Well, you know, Jim, you and I have talked about this before. You know, there was a lot of discussion and debate uh, coming out of the fourth quarter about the investment we were making in media. Even as we were navigating some supply um, opportunities, we were still investing behind the brands because We saw this as a unique moment of millions of new households coming into the Campbell's business and our opportunity to retain those uh, households are at the top of the list. The great news is a lot of those households are millennials, younger households that have the potential to being part of our franchise well into the future. And so we had to learn how to better market and communicate. And the reality is it's very different and how we attract and communicate to those consumers as we might have with a more traditional Campbell's consumer. And a lot of that had to do with our emphasis around digital. And not all digital is created equal. What we really look for is the place to engage with consumers in meaningful ways with relevant content. You really need to do both, right? The age of just mm-hmm. throwing up paper advertising uh, on a website, that is not gonna get the job done. But programs like you're describing with Roku have been great examples of our ability to blend great content with terrific placement to retain and motivate and create relevance with these consumers. Okay, now is this relevance going to be tested by the fact that we have some point next year and get a vaccine where theoretically then we can go out and have a terrific time and we don't need to be at home and that Campbell soup was representative of that period of that awful period in our country and we're done with it. You know what? I'm sure that we all share in the excitement of the potential for a vaccine. But as I've said before, I think many of these trends that we're seeing, whether it's cooking, whether it's in-home consumption, whether it's snacking experiences that are happening at a greater level of frequency, and that matching up with what I believe to be a very unique and differentiated portfolio, Mm -hmm. I believe well positions us well through the pandemic. So I, like everyone else, am excited to see a vaccine and what that means for our country. But I also believe that our company and the work that we've been doing on our brands will last well into the days beyond it. Uh, Well, next question, I know I'm way overboard. I do not care. I have no time. Tell me, hiring vets, how great? Fantastic, Jim. I, I can tell you that there are so many attributes 
of military veterans and what they can bring to corporate America. Um, it is really an extraordinary source of talent that is out there. I'm really excited. We have two relatively new partnerships at Campbell's. One's called Higher Purpose. And as you might know, one of the things that we've been working quite hard on is making sure that we have the labor that we need in our manufacturing facilities. Mm -hmm. We work with Higher Purpose, who specializes on attracting uh, military talent, and we've been able to hire significant, great, capable talent through that source. We're also working with a group called American Corporate Partners. This is a mentorship program where employees from within Campbell's partner with a veteran and help them get ready for that oh, transition into corporate America. And I, and I really can't imagine a, a better uh, purpose and cause than helping those that have served our country find their way into corporate America. Well, look, I'm really glad you took the time out. I want to thank you for your service. And you're just a great representative of your company and of the, of the Academy. Great to see you, sir. Thank you very much. That's Mark Klaus, President and CEO of Campbell's Soup, CPB. You want to take him on? Be my guest. I'm not going. Their money's back here for the break. It is time. It's time for a special salute to service edition of the Lightning Round on Mad Money. What do we do? Well, that's right. First of all, we're going to listen to ourselves. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy, time for the lightning round. Let's start with Kyle in Tennessee. Kyle. Hey, Jim. How you doing? I am good, Kyle. How are you? Doing well. I was calling to ask about C-A-R-G. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to put you in lithia, okay? L-A-D, because I think those fellas are real honest, and they're out there in Oregon doing a great job. We are now going to Jennifer in Maryland. Jennifer. Booyah, Mr. Kramer. Booyah, Jennifer. Hi. So my question is regarding AMC. I read the company could run out of cash by year's end, and I know they are offering private theater rentals to generate supplemental income. Right. So with the progression of the COVID vaccine, do you think AMC is going to make it past the pandemic without declaring bankruptcy? Well, Lieutenant, I have to tell you that I do. I mean, Adam Aaron runs it. He's a real good guy. But I think that sometimes there are tasks that are just a bridge too far, and that is AMC. Uh, and I'm not recommending any entertainment place right now because it's a too tricky an industry. But thank you for the call. Michael in New Jersey. Michael. Hi, Jim. This is Mike. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm an Air Force veteran and a recent boarding grad. Uh, with successful vaccine results and less uncertainty, uh, this HR and finance platform should be more in demand as people on the job hunt, such as myself, are more likely to get hired as the economy normalizes. So this cloud team is about 14% lower than its late August highs. It's worth today a buy. And the stock was Workday? No, too soon. I really like Workday, and I think I know it better because Neil Bushry's done a great job. But this is not the time to own the cloud stocks. We want them to come in. We want all the shorts of pressure. We want people to think that it's all over. And then we will strike, but not yet. Can we go to Jonathan in California, please, Jonathan? Good evening, Mr. Kramer. Good evening. First, I would like to thank you for honoring all veterans and knowledge you've shared with the big Coast Guard. Booyah to you and your crew. Thank you. My stock is my stock is Yeti. Oh, look, we have loved Yeti since 18, but it is up another four points today. We need Yeti to cool off. 
It is a great stock and a great company, but I cannot recommend some. And people will come in on Twitter and say, Kramer, how did you put me in a 54, blah, blah, blah. Can we please wait for a 10% decline? And we need to go to Alex in Texas. Alex. Hey, booyah, Jim. Third Cavalry Regiment in Fort Hood. Fort Hood. Excellent. What's up? Jim, VSTO, Vista Outdoor. They are not just bullets. They are also Camelback and a variety of outdoor brands. And they are a very inexpensive company that I suggest that you buy as soon as the market opens tomorrow. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. Hey, Jim. My name is Jason, and I'm a senior at the Air Force Academy. Hey, Jim. Cadet First Class Caleb Ferguson here at the United States Air Force Academy. Remember, Army and Navy play for second. Yeah, right back. All right, look, nothing like Twitter to keep us honest. I'm always checking social media, in part because I'm a complete masochist, but also because I want to stay humble. This morning, I got a real good one. A young investor complained that I buried him in FANG. Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google, all of which got crushed today. Of course, I've been recommending these names for years and years, and they're still up huge even for 2020. But sure, if you bought a big position late last week, you walked into a veritable buzzsaw when the vaccine news broke yesterday. I get it. So what do you do with big tech now that these stocks are rolling over and Pfizer's miraculous COVID uh, vaccine seems to make them, let's say, less attractive? First, you need to understand the vaccine situation. Yesterday, I chased down all my doctors to figure out when it would be available. I got a ton of contacts in the New York medical community do a lot of charitable contributions. The verdict, you'd be lucky to get your shots by the spring at the earliest. And that assumes you pull strings, which I would not do. It means we've got two full periods of earnings before substantial numbers of people start being immunized. Yep, six more months of COVID winter. And right now, it's spreading like wildfire. So, what exactly does that mean for Fang? Okay, Facebook's become a fabulous place for small businesses to get a foothold online. And online remains the best way to shop until next spring at the earliest. Right now, this is a $272 stock. I bet it has no more than 40 points of additional downside here, which would take it almost all the way back to where it was before, uh, before the pandemic. That may sound like a lot, but I'm trying to give you the real floor so you can buy some ahead of that if you want to. Apple's different because it's not just a COVID stock. It's also a Biden stock. You take away the trade tensions with China. You throw in the worldwide rollout of 5G wireless networks. And I think this is a terrific story. Honestly, it's better than it was a week ago. A more China-friendly White House is just more more important to Apple than whatever boost they're getting from the pandemic. I buy it right here. Amazon's tough. If you roll back its COVID gains, you're talking about a roughly 30% decline in the stock. If I were still at my hedge fund, I'd sell Amazon right here, right now. It's simply way too vulnerable, even if it has a ter- terrific holiday season, as I'm sure it will. Not worth the risk. In a rare transaction, we actually sold some Amazon from my charitable trust today. Don't worry. I will fully explain it on tomorrow's 1130 a.m. Action club call. Netflix is tricky, too. Wall Street didn't like the last quarter. I bet they won't like this one either. Once Pfizer's vaccine is the, hits the market, Netflix has a problem because people are desperate to go out and do things. They're tired of being cooped up at home. As much as I love Queen's Gambit, Netflix simply isn't worth what it's selling for. If we get a vaccine then uh, it's, that's 90% effective, then you're going to have a decline here. On the other hand, Alphabet, the parent of Google, is a buy, buy, buy. They had a fabulous quarter, even though the travel and leisure sector wasn't even 
advertising. They're finally monetizing YouTube. I'm a gigantic fan, Thomas Curian, who runs the Google Cloud. He's a force of nature. If output keeps coming in, pounce. So Apple and Google are great. Facebook's a push. Amazon and Netflix are overvalued. In short, Fang is canceled. But Apple and Google get their own spinoff that could be even better than the original. Hey, they're the better call Saul to Fang's Breaking Bad. All right, as we end our show tonight, I want to take a moment to reflect and to thank all of the amazing veterans and service members who participated in today's show. Oh, boy, do we wish we could have been in person. Really. Supporting and saluting those who serve is a longstanding tradition of mad money. And we are proud to have a following among heroes. Last year, we were a mile high on Veterans Day at the Air Force Academy, where we spoke to, to Starbucks CEO Kevin Johnson about hiring vets. We've been at West Point honoring the long gray line, talking to amazing cadets and West Point grad and CEO of J&J, Alex Gorski. And many times we've had this studio filled with, to the rafters with veterans and their families, including my own pop, who was a sergeant in the Pacific in World War II in the Sixth Army. This year is different. It's a privilege to be in the room with those who serve, but this year it was not in the cards. We were honored to have those voices in our show today, though, and we look forward to shaking their hands again, hopefully someday soon. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.